Forget about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we are podcasting from our new uh, Heater uh, Podcast Studios. I like uh, it. I like it. You got it set up nice down here. We're set up in the man cave with a nice 120-some-inch uh, screen with uh, Houston Astros versus the Oakland Athletics uh, on the big screen here. I'm going to get distracted, I feel like. <laughs> it is, uh, but baseball is a good distraction. It's true. It so is. So I think it we're is. in good shape there. Uh, but we have uh, upgraded our uh, area here and uh, we'll make it even more enjoyable to have some uh, fun with baseball as we talk baseball. Uh, as always, the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. Uh, for all of your snacking needs and for yeah. m- movies and baseball of choice, come hungry, leave happy. Be back uh, open next week. Shut was, down this week, so nobody got it this week, but the, it was good. I felt it was nice to be on a little vacation. The weekend uh, siesta, uh, siesta for you guys to uh, head out and get a little bit of R&R time. Uh, and absence makes the heart grow fonder. Right. So uh, every, everyone will be <laughs> doubly ready uh, to pick up their uh, popcorn this upcoming weekend. Hopefully it's not a million degrees. <laughs> It's at least not in the forecast currently. Yeah, it's to, uh, the last couple of days were kind of humid, but yeah, I was looking ahead and it doesn't look too bad. Low 80s uh, and still nice relief at night, so definitely ready for uh, uh, this type of uh, weather, especially for beginning to mid-August. Uh, uh, and uh, as we look at already, as everything is in a shortened season, uh, we are 25% of the way through uh, this uh, weird regular season so weird. that we are in, and man, has it been a weird quarter to begin with. Uh, next week, kind of a preview, we'll, we will have a power rankings that we'll take Ooh. a look at now that we're Ooh. past the uh, the first quarter. We'll, br- like we'll give you our uh, our power rankings and uh, ridicule or praise each other for where we have our, our teams, but we'll okay. make that part of next, okay. next week's podcast. Uh, but as we uh, kick off here, we're going to take a look at, uh, as always, injuries are the biggest thing. And I feel we should just keep playing uh, Another One Bites the Dust uh, each Ooh, week. Drop. The, the, Ooh, yeah. the list gets uh, more severe. I think it's uh, partially because of this, the whole quick, like, we ramped up, we yes. shut down. We quickly ramped up. And yep. were they really ready to go? Because it seems like there's more injuries than ever before. It Definitely there. And it's because of, yeah, like you said, the, the shortened spring break, uh, spring training, summer camp, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's been uh, uh, just not what people are used to. And so these nagging injuries or these little things were going to be uh, part of this year. That was one of the concerns coming into this. And uh, we've definitely had those major injuries. And probably the the biggest one that started off the week was uh, a picture that we were talking about uh, on the last podcast. Uh, Mike Soroka uh, has yeah, been that fun was- to watch. Uh, but the you were the one who sent me a message and said you'd be surprised that this wasn't an, an Achilles tendon uh, injury, and that's exactly what it was. Yeah, I was watching that game. The Braves were playing. Uh, I don't actually remember who they were playing that night, but it was it was pretty obvious. He actually threw his pitch, and he kind of limped off the mound and didn't make it even to the dirt, and he went to a knee, and they had to come out and carry him off. And 
they show they, you there's videos going around on Twitter or the internet where you can watch it slow way down and you can see the, the the tendon pull and he tore his Achilles tendon so he's out for this year that's the type of injury he can be out for next year that those it's Achilles tendons ruins careers baseball. it ruins careers so you can't Mike Stroke is young one of the great young premier pitchers in the game it's it's just speculation you'd love to see him come back and keep it up but it that's a career ender in some cases that one and when you get into like major shoulder stuff more than like uh, we already know you can blow out an elbow and that can be reconstructed. Uh, but shoulders are still the, the, the biggest for pitchers. But then I didn't realize that Achilles tendons were that type of injury uh, for this. I, for me, the only major injury for that, that I'm aware of and watched was uh, being a Dolphins fan growing up. Dan Marino uh, mm-hmm. blew out his Achilles tendon and then came back and still lit up the NFL for another like, five seasons, yeah. uh, but I didn't realize how much, and it makes sense from a pitcher when you think of how they have to plant uh, as we are seeing a brawl. Breaking uh, news, A's uh, and Astros going after each no other here. social distancing whatsoever <laughs> as we are in the bottom of the seventh as we're recording this, and there is multiple fights breaking out. Uh, this would be a doozy in normal years, let alone uh, during uh, – uh, this uh, Corona time. Correct. Uh, these don't. Th- I don't think this fits the new uh, Corona protocols, <laughs> does it? I d- I wasn't paying attention. Did they? I think the A's are batting, so it's kind of. I assumed that you know Astros batter got plunked again, but I think the A's are actually up. So I, I don't know. We'll have yeah. to try and watch it a little bit. But so we talked about distractions. I know, right? <laughs> and we end up having when one I of see the them biggest sprint brawls. at each other, I get distracted. We have uh, one of the biggest brawls of the year take place, so of course we're going to get a good distraction in this. But, uh, yeah, we'll uh, see what keep happens here, here as we <laughs> uh, keep going with it. But uh, as we talk injuries, again, Mike Soroka, that's a hard one to swallow, not only just for this year, but that it impacts next year, and the, it puts the entire career into question. And that's always a, a frustrating thing for a guy that's just emerging, a big blow to the Atlanta Braves and their playoff hopes as well. They have obviously have depth, but to lose someone at that top is is a huge uh, blow for this year for them. I think when we did position previews, four of their five starting pitchers that we talked about aren't there. Cole Hamels got hurt. Mike Soroka got hurt. Mike Fultonevich got DFA'd. Felix Hernandez said he opted out. So it has been a it's a whole thing for the Braves, and they've got find a way to keep competitive. So hopefully they keep it up here. So a little bit of, uh, since this would be news anyways, when you get a chance to see it, they showed the replay, and there's a lot of squawking going on from... uh, Ramon Laureano, uh, that is, I think. And uh, I don't know who it was in the the bench, uh, but it wasn't even players. It wasn't uh, being hit. It was just a... And this was going to happen. We knew that it was, uh, because there's no noise in the, uh, the stands, there's no, nothing going on there where you're hearing more from the dugouts than you did before, and there's a lot of chirping going on. It happened in the Rays-Yankees uh, uh, series this weekend as well, uh, so you're getting more of that type of agitation. I don't know if I remember. It's been a while from having someone from the bench uh, doing something that would cause a fight with someone uh, in the game. Normally it's no. a pitcher and hitter, yeah. but we're seeing more of the biggest things taking place that's that scenario, and you wouldn't have had that with with more noise and with the crowd. MLB is going to hate this. It looks so bad, and like you said, we we'll get to the COVID protocols, but oh, that was that's brutal because you want to social distance, and you they want you to wear your mask, and instead you're rolling around punching each other, and 
you still have everyone ready to go for round two. Oh, you I'm sure they're they still stay ready for there. a while. Uh, this has not calmed down yet, despite everyone being put back off. And I think uh, he's ready for round two yeah. as, uh, as he, well. He here. does look ready to go. So Let's speak with some injuries yeah. here. So, so you got one you'd like to talk about? You want well, me to I mean, go? We have the annual Rich Hill. We always yeah. said that was the uh, the one there. Uh, you've had the uh, more shoulder tenderness, 10-day uh, IL for him. Shoulder fatigue. Uh, it's not a blister. We don't know. Hopefully 10 days he's ready to go. It sounded like he was going to be good to go in 10 days. He just needed to take his time, and he'll be fine when he pitches. He pitched well in his one start he got for him. The Twins can afford to go a few days without him. Well, and that's just precaution with, again, when you think you're ratcheting back up uh, for this and you've had a, uh, a shorter time to do it, for someone who has a history of shoulder issues, you're better off giving him that extra time. You want him in uh, September and October more than you do right here in the first part of, uh, of August. Uh, we're looking at uh, the one from uh, today uh, is uh, Charlie Morton left the game after two innings. Uh, nothing major and not much has been said and no IL uh, list has happened yet, uh, but it sure looks like a tender back. And I, my guess is you're looking at at least a 10-day stint to uh, just give him time to uh, loosen things up, but we'll wait and see what actually happens. Josh Donaldson is probably the big name uh, as uh, one of that uh, huge Minnesota uh, offense. Uh, that's going to be a uh, one that happened. What was his injury? That's a strained right calf. So they put him on the DL actually August 7th. So that's a, two days ago when we're recording this, but they did it retroactive to the fourth. He hasn't been playing recently anyways. Uh, they were trying to take it day to day. I like, Dan mentioned he's a superstar, but it just wasn't happening for them. The rosters got shortened down that day to 28. They think that it'll hopefully just be a minimum stay on there and be ready to go, but we'll see. They, they need that bat back in the lineup. I, they still have one of the best lineups in baseball even without him, but you you they signed him to a lot of money to get him to play. The calf injury is a nervous one because mm -hmm. that's what knocked him out for almost half a year in uh, 2017 or 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, so this has a, a pattern here, and that's going to be uh, uh, something to monitor as we move forward. Uh, Robinson Cano. So that's a abductor injury, uh, and it that that one doesn't sound good. And he was hitting really well, actually. He was starting to really play well for the Mets. I think he was up to a little over 400 maybe, 410, 412, somewhere in there. Left adductor, that's a abdomen injury. It said that he'll be out until at least mid-August because they considered it a grade two. So he's also 37 years old. That's It takes a little longer to recover when you're 37, I think. Yeah, he was uh, did not have a, a great uh, first year with uh, the Mets, obviously, but is starting to bounce back here. Uh, shame to have that type of injury derail some things for now. Mike Stanton goes back on the DL. He's another one kind of like... Kinda like uh, Josh Donaldson and Rich Hill that seem to sometimes make their annual appearance on there. Giancarlo Stanton was playing DH and he was running out, I believe, a double or he was he had a, he was running the bases and pulled up a little lame with a hamstring injury and he found himself put this morning on the ten day IL with a hamstring. Those are once again soft tissue injuries, unpredictable. Hopefully, only ten days, but those things can linger. And uh, Mike Mustakas uh, has gone on the ten day. Yeah, uh, that's IL. a different. That's a different leg injury. That's a quad injury that put him on the IL. So last time we talked, we were talking about Mike Mustakas and COVID nineteen, but he did not have COVID nineteen. But he's got a quad ten day IL. They think it sounds like that one. They think will be ready to go in the ten days. We have some younger players: uh, Nick Madrigal <sighs> and Ozzy Albies. Nick Madrigal just breaks my heart. Like that 
he was he had that four for five day, and this one was against the Brewers. He had gotten a hit already and was running to third, slid the way you're supposed to, went feet first, not head first, slid feet first, put his arm down. He grabbed at his wrist, which he broke in college, so he actually wears a big bracer, so I thought he hurt his wrist, but and then they said he needed an MRI and dislocated his shoulder, had to pop it back in, probably out for the rest of this season. Ozzy Albies got a bad bruise on his forearm, or was it his wrist? I think they're calling it his wrist, right? Wrist injury, and he's on the 10-day IL. You'd like to think that a bruise will heal on that time, but if it's one of those bone bruises, those can those can really can hurt. Linger. <laughs> yeah, so. And confirmed with uh, Roberto Ozuna. We mentioned him last time with uh, there is elbow discomfort. Uh, it's been confirmed it's going to need Tommy John surgery, so that puts him out not only this year, but at this yeah. stage you're looking at next year as well. Presley blue. Bl- blew a save for them just a couple nights ago against the A's. So that's they that bullpen, I don't know. I'm I'm not crying on that one. I know, uh, I know. No one is, trust me. No one is. <laughs> I'm uh, sure they're all backing Ramon Noriano right now for tar- charging the mound. I, I, I don't think Oakland is either at this point. Uh, and we have a manager one, uh, Terry Francona. So he's missed, I don't know if he was back today, he's missed a few days, uh, gastroenteritis, so... He doesn't have coronavirus. They keep coming back negative, but he's been undergoing tests. He's missed a few games managing. Stomach bugs still exist. I remember that put Eric Hosmer on the 10-day disabled list last time we talked. He's, I think he got back today, actually. And uh, so Terry Franconi just got to hope he gets feeling better. And that wraps up for uh, for entries at this point. I don't think I'm forgetting anyone. Uh, just mentioned that. Oh. I, I know that Corey Seager didn't find himself on the disabled list, but he left the game early. He's got some back stuff going on. He's still tearing the cover off the ball, so I hope he gets back soon. (laughs) Uh, Yadier Molina will cover in a little bit, but we'll hold off on that one just yet. We've been talking about uh, Shohei Otani with the challenges he's had with pitching, uh, and the Angels have confirmed what we talked about as recommending at this point was to pull the plug on pitching for this year and let them focus on hitting, and that's what they've uh, uh, confirmed as their plan for the rest of the year. So last time we talked, he's he had went out that day, and that was when he walked, I believe, five, and a couple of days later, Joe Madden quoted, I'm not anticipating him pitching at all this year, and that's probably the right move. Uh, they've paid Shohei Otani. Yeah, he can be a good hitter, but they paid him to be an elite pitcher, like Garrett Cole, the Tyler Glass now, they paid for him to be the number one ace. They can keep hitting him, but I don't want them. I see people say like, oh, he should just focus on hitting now. Forget it. He's not. No, you don't pay someone that type of money to be a hitter. You pay him for that top of the line arm that he has. So figure it out. Let's go slow with him. But I, that would be a shame if they just tried to plug him in and make him a hitter. When you're coming back from Tommy John and then coming into this weird year, you're this is the year to pull the plug and just let him get healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then give him a full off-season program uh, to get himself ready to go, and then you look at next spring, and hopefully we're looking at a full season, and you can put him back that way. That makes sense at this point, because you also don't want to do mental damage uh, as he's trying to figure this out, and that arm just isn't there yet, is all that it is. It doesn't mean that he can't pitch ever, but we're just talking that it's not here yet, and you want to be careful with him during this time, let him focus on something productive that he can do. He had a good game today. Uh, he was two for three, had a good. double. Uh, so the, the bat is starting to come around. And I think if he isn't having to to split himself with uh, pitching and hitting and, and uh, just with some of the struggles that are there, I think you'll see him bounce back and have a good year. He can hit. I mean, he could be a, one of the top hitters in the game. There's there's no denying it. But like I said, that's what makes him unique is the pitching, the the fact Absolutely. that he can do both, but you you don't pay. There's a reason that pitchers get paid more than hitters, and it's because that is a much more unique skill set. So I hope they don't just try to plug him in the way that they're, some people would like to see. 
one change uh, that is happening to uh, baseball rosters this year is that it's not going to decrease the way it had projected to go from 30-man to 28th and to 26th. Uh, baseball has decided to keep it at a 28-man for the rest of the year, as well as adding a taxi squad. Yeah, so that one, I, they're just making it up as we go. We said this many times, and it was going to just slowly decrease, but that's probably the right move. There's just, we're talking about all these injuries. COVID is still around. The Cardinals we haven't talked about yet, but it's still there. And for so far, we've been able to avoid it pretty good, actually, lately. It's not nearly as doom and gloom as it was a couple weeks ago, but just keeping it, those extra couple of players on the roster. And then you get a five-player taxi squad, which I think they, those ones can travel with the team, I believe is the way that they've set it up. So you still got your, which will now be 32-man back at your alternate training site, but you also get to carry five extra players with you. And if you need them, they're there to play. And that will especially be helpful as we look at the, we're going to see a lot of doubleheaders. Uh, we know that's coming. That's why the, the seven-inning rule. Did you see the Cardinals projected schedule that came out? I have not seen the new one. It's I like just, it has to be crazy. 54 games in 47 days or something like that. <laughs> something insane. And they just already, I saw minutes ago that they got this upcoming series canceled. So Most, uh, most teams have played 15 games at this point. We said 25% through the year. Uh, Cardinals are at five, so you're 10 games behind, and the show must go on, and they're already going to miss the next series Mm -hmm. uh, with this as this continues. So they're going to be close to, well, getting close to a full 25% of the season behind everyone else. It's not easy to make those types of games up. So uh, that's going to be an interesting one uh, moving forward as well. We'll talk Cardinals in in just a minute. (laughs) But the 28-man roster, as well as the five-man taxi squad, which will be a help for those uh, those games, as well as the immediate, if someone gets hurt and has to go on the uh, IL, you have you have players that are right there that you can move into that uh, uh, roster spot as needed. Uh, kind of a, an unusual and unfortunate story to talk about is Tyler Skaggs. Uh, why don't you break that down for us? So it was a little over a year ago. Uh, Tyler Skaggs was found dead in his hotel room, uh, pitcher for the Angels, and the next night was one of the best moments you'll ever see when the Angels combined to throw a no-hitter, and it was just awesome. But earlier this week, an Angels employee who was actually a former Angels employee, Eric Kay, was charged with distributing fentanyl, which is part of the overdose of Tyler Skaggs. Uh, he was arrested, made his court appearance. So that's I mean, it's sad for Tyler Skaggs, but justice has to be served. So hopefully the man spends some time behind bars. <laughs> And we mentioned some of the uh, uh, COVID-related things that are going on with the Cardinals. Before we talk about them, we have new COVID protocols as a result of uh, what's happened with uh, the Miami Marlins and with uh, with the Cardinals. Uh, new rules have uh, have come out. Can you break that down for us? There are six parts to this. MLB and the Players Association got together and they they jointly came up with these. So point one, players and staff must wear coverings that cover the mouth and the nose at all times while at the ballpark other than while on the field itself. This now includes the dugout and the bullpen. So if you watch a baseball game, if you see someone in the dugout, the bullpen, and they don't have a mask on, that's technically breaking a protocol. Now, you see sometimes here they pull it down or whatever and they put it back up, but Technically, they need to keep these on all of the time unless they are out in the field. Point two, in order to minimize the time spent indoors, they must provide outdoor covered spaces. So you see a lot of these. You can look behind the dugouts, and there's kind of like tents set up behind the dugouts up in the stands, and that's so that there's more social distancing available. Speaking of this, did you happen to see Zach Greinke the other day? He is loving life right now. Oh, he with loves his own the social distancing. This is, uh, it was going around Twitter, the, uh, the person who's probably the – thriving the most with this is Zach Cranky. Yeah. Why don't you uh, explain so a little bit? 
Granky was pitching two nights ago. It doesn't matter. He was pitching and got through an inning and just didn't even attempt to go to the dugout. Went out and sat in the cardboard players and looked as happy as I've ever seen him. If you, Zach Granky's got, I believe he's got Asperger's. So social distancing is kind of his thing. He doesn't, if you, you see him, the way he talks, he really doesn't enjoy being around people. You get that feeling. So he just went and sat by himself, and that's that's fine. Actually, there was another one of Aaron Nola bouncing around where he looked like he was about ready to fall asleep out there. Super cool up in the stands. And that's hey, if you got an opportunity, you're never going to get it again, right? If, whenever this gets figured out, we're going to have fans back. And uh, what's next on our, our COVID list? Uh, traveling parties are due to absolutely essential personnel. You'd if you've been watching baseball games, you know that it's basically just the players and the trainers and those type of things, coaches making the moves. There's no no extra ball boys or no extra commentators. They are not making the visiting trips. Uh, players and team personnel must wear the coverings at all times at the hotel, other than in each other's other than in each person's individual hotel room. So until you get to your hotel room, you are supposed to leave your face covering on. And because there, this is a lot because of the Cardinals and the Marlins and breaking protocols. These next two, a member of the road team, whether a player staff must inform the compliance officer. So these professional baseball players have babysitters, essentially professional hall monitors. Yes, they do. And that they have to tell them if they're even going to leave the hotel for any reason. And there's some reasons where they can't leave the hotel. That's the final part, which is no bars, no lounges, no malls or other places in which large groups gather. So you need to get approval before you step out of that hotel room. Well, and it's needed. We talked about it last week that you, one person can derail the entire again ten games for the Cardinals is where we're at. The Marlins had a, uh, about five to seven games that were already lost uh, at that point. So we're we're definitely needing to have this uh, these protocols in place and players to follow it if we want to have a season actually happen. Breaking news: Someone has gotten in trouble with this already. Zach Plesak, who we've mentioned, the Indians' amazing pitchers. Within 58 minutes, this was Ken Rosenthal. After going out with friends in Chicago on Saturday night, it's a violation. He has been told that he needs to quarantine for 72 hours. So it's still being broken. Apparently, Zach Plesak left, and that's against the rules now. So we'll see what there's. Other than a quarantine, he should still have some type of other penalty, if you ask me. We're seeing some of those tents up right now in yep. the Oakland-Houston uh, yep. game for more social distancing and providing that. But for Zach Plesic, uh, uh I'm gl- I'm glad that we already have that right away as we're talking about this. Kinda I just cool noticed that, it on my that phone. Up, yeah. uh, because what's the enforcement? What's the what's the punishment? The accountability? And so at least we're talking, it's going to be on a case-by-case basis, uh, but a minimum of a 72-hour uh the quarantine, quarantine period. Quarantine to, to do that is, uh, that's what you want to see because this this has to happen. Uh, or it's not going to happen at all. That's exactly. the thing. Is you have to, I, I get, I hear people, well, these are people and they want to have a family too. Like, we're all having to make sacrifices. Anybody at this point that has not made some type of a sacrifice for COVID-19, I would love to hear how you've gotten by. Well, not only that, but so has everyone else on the team. They've made sacrifices too, and they have a right to earn their livelihood. Uh, if you're doing something that threatens that, uh, you're the one in violation. And so uh, this is rules that are collective for everyone in order to work in this type of contact uh, and, and close quarter uh, situation. So those are the COVID protocols. And uh, as we're already seeing breaking right through this, that there's still going to be issues with this uh, throughout the uh, the year. 
uh, and we'll monitor the monitor that as it goes along. The St. Louis Cardinals. It was already announced they are losing their first three games. Uh, the, uh, another series that has been postponed uh, against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, and uh, like I said, they're going to be up to a quarter of a year uh, by the time this is all done that they have to catch up. Uh, and we mentioned again the double headers that are going to be coming their way. Uh, so the Yadier Molina is the other one that is uh, potentially with a, a positive case. Yeah, so Yadier Molina and Paul DeYoung, it sounded like both probably had positive cases. Last time we spoke, it sounded like there was just a few pitchers and some staff personnel, and all week it's been more players, and they don't have to release it, so it's been more players, and the Cardinal games just keep getting postponed. I saw a report, Mike Schilt, John Heyman reported, Mike Schilt, who's the Cardinals manager, said today that there's no new no new cases. It produced all negative results today, but still got that quarantine period, so they've said let's take another three days off, and the Cardinals are going to have to try to fit it back in. I've seen a lot of people say, well, why doesn't is it possible that we could just essentially excise the Cardinals from the league? What, what do you think of that one? It just doesn't work as far as competitive balance is concerned. I think that's what you're going to get into with all of this because everything is so division-based. You're talking a lot of teams that are going to lose like 20 games of their own. What are you supposed to do with that? Now, what I do see uh, being kind of a compromise of that is if every game isn't made up, winning percentage is what they're going to go to versus complete wins and losses uh, to look at who has the best winning percentage. I still don't think... Uh, there's still competitive balance issues there. So ultimately, I think what you're going to see is the doubleheaders. And uh, that's why we have the seven-inning doubleheaders. That's why we have the extended roster space being what it is. Uh, I think every effort is going to be made to get the 60-game schedule in as it is. Now, the one thing that could happen, even though they don't want to, I could see baseball pushing back the start of the playoffs by a week if that's what was needed to finish these games when it gets a little more challenging at the end. So that, I still think, is a viable option. I don't think they want to talk about it because they don't want it to be happening, but I think that's what you're looking at in a worst-case scenario. I think the playoffs get pushed back a week if there's games that need to be made up and put in. I just did some math here while you're talking, and we are at 55 games they need to make up and 46 days to play it. So that's... Wow. <laughs> Get used to old school doubleheader baseball because uh, have you gotten used let's to the play seven two. Innings? Have you gotten used to the seven inning doubleheader yet? In this environment, I have. Mm -hmm. uh, I almost forgot about it when the Rays just played one on Saturday with the Yankees. It was a doubleheader that was scheduled uh, for this. Uh, and uh, I was like, well, the announcers keep talking like, like we're getting at the end of the game. We're getting into crunch time. I'm like, well, it's just the sixth inning. We've got There's plenty of time, time left. Like, oh, yeah, it's, it's seven innings. Yeah. Uh, it's, but it's, a little, it's hard to get used to it after you've watched so many games over the last, you know, your lifetime. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but it's uh, a good fit for where we are right now. And speaking of the Rays, that was really the last one that I had for these types of storylines uh, as we uh, got everything going here. It was I said on the last podcast, uh, it's hard to believe already at the beginning of the year that we're at a uh, a crucial series uh, and the Rays had their first uh, opportunity to go up against the New York Yankees. They already had like four and a half games back uh, when we went into that series. Uh, and it, if you had a bad series with the way they were playing, the division could already be out of reach. Uh, if, if you got swept by the Yankees this weekend, the division is pretty well done already. Uh, crazy to think with just getting started, but that's where we are. And the, the Rays responded. They took three of four against the Yankees this weekend, and 
the only one that they lost to is Garrett Cole, uh, as as many are used to with that. He's three and zero at the to start the year, uh, among the league leaders already, and, and and wins as you'd expect. But they responded well with some tight games, uh, a one to nothing game, uh, gave up only two hits on on Friday night. Uh, they took the the second game on Saturday of the doubleheader, and then they had the come from behind game against James Paxton. Uh, two home runs in the seventh to tie it up and a walk off in the ninth uh, to give them the three a three out of four. And that was a huge uh, statement for the Rays as they try to right the ship. They're now eight and eight. They're back at uh, at least a 500 record uh, and feeling pretty confident moving into this next week. They did it without particularly good starting pitching out of at least their big three. Morton got hurt. Glass now was not very effective. And Blake Snell is apparently just another opener now. So. Yeah. He's a fantastic opener, yeah. uh, but he's only going about three innings at this point and uh, can't keep his pitch count down. Uh, and then Charlie Morton gets uh, potentially hurt here uh, today. So uh, there's definitely a lot of questions that are there, but Find when, the o- when the offense isn't clicking, when the defense has not been up to normal expectations, starting pitching has been... Uh, one step forward, two steps back in different ways, and you're still overall uh, a 500 record, you have to feel pretty happy about that if you can start getting things back to the way that you know you can be. So an excellent weekend for the the Rays here to take three or four against the Yankees. And uh, as we look at this past week, we have uh, a segment we're calling Have Yourself a Week. Uh, And there's some that definitely had an amazing week here. Uh, One of them we're watching right now as Oakland goes for their eighth consecutive win. Uh, so they, they've won the entire week. Uh, they have been uh, uh, crushing it uh, uh, in all phases of the of the game. And again, not against uh, easy opponents either, going up against the Houston Astros and uh, handing it to them. It's been uh, their pitching. It's really been their pitching. I think they've given up the second fewest runs in the American League or maybe even in all of baseball. And it's only behind Cleveland, who's we've talked about how amazing their pitching's been so far this year, and it, they can keep hitting. And I would as- expect that Ramon Laureano will get a slight suspension here, so that could have changed the next week because he's a pretty good center fielder and one of the best defensive center fielders in the game. But yeah, oh, they got a they got a nice lead going on right now too. And uh, Mike Trout is showing that he can hit just as well as a father, as uh, vice versa. He's hit four or five home runs this past week. You remember when we were talking about would Mike Trout keep playing and we were all worried? Well, he showed that fatherhood was good for Mike Trout as he hit a home run on his birthday. He hit a home run the first at bat. He was back, and he is single-handedly trying to help the Angels that I picked to win to, to win that division get out of it, but he's not enough by himself, and Anthony Rendon has been terrible, so that was my MVP pick, and it's not looking pretty there. But, uh, yeah, Mike Trout, he's he's been on one lately, and it's – He's still the best player in the game. <laughs> and Aaron Judge, speaking of the New York Yankees, five consecutive games with a home run. He's now the AL leader with eight uh, and pretty much crushing every single offensive category you can find. Uh, the power has never been a question with him, and he's had a very hot week. I The thing about Aaron Judge is they're just, there's no cheapies there ever. It is like bombs. He almost he hit one that hit the roof, I heard, at Tampa Bay. I didn't see it, but I heard he hit one that hit the roof. So uh, that's way out there. And uh, Aaron Judge, the rib injury was there. People were worried. He got healed up, and he's he's barreling up a lot of balls. And 
in Yankee Stadium, which is tiny. Like I said, some of those are on the road, but when he's got that small band box to hit in, he's he's going to hit a lot of home runs. And James Carlos Stanton, when he's healthy, he's going to hit a lot of home runs. And Gary Sanchez, who can't get by a hit right now, typically is going to hit a lot of home runs. And there's a reason the Yankees win a lot. It's They have some very good hitting and one outstanding pitcher and then some question marks. But the Yankees just keep finding ways to win, and Aaron Judge will hopefully just keep hitting well. There's easily one more player that we've talked about that would be on this type of list, but we're going to hold off for our next segment with it. Uh, We're going to take a look at uh, buy and sell uh, as we look at different players, teams, and storylines and uh, what we're buying, what we're selling as we take a look at that. Uh, A favorite of this podcast uh, has been a pitcher, uh, Dylan Bundy, and uh, someone we talked about beforehand of uh, would a change of scenery be what was needed to uh, figure out what was going on with, wrong with him over the last two years. He was a top-end prospect not all that long ago. The Dylan Bundy, I got this one off internet. Six inning pitched, one run or fewer with seven or more strikeouts and zero walks. He made 103 starts with the Baltimore Orioles, and he did that one time. He's made three starts with the Angels, and he's done it twice. The other night he pitched a complete game. I believe he had 10 strikeouts. And when you text me, what do you think of Dylan Bundy? I responded with, forget Dylan Bundy, it's Dylan Bundy with the sigh in there because right now he looks – incredible. He's probably not that great of a pitcher. He's not going to win the Cy Young Award. That was a joke. Uh, well, if, if you're asking me, do I buy or sell that he's the best pitcher in the American League? I'll sell that. If I think that he's considerably better than he was in Baltimore, I'll buy that. Is he, because this is a former first-round pick, a uh, guy who had a ton of talent. Uh, do you buy him as a uh, top-of-the-rotation starter? Uh, he is someone who's 2-1, and one, 2.08 ERA to begin this year. He's got a complete game in the mix. He's got good strikeout numbers. The numbers have definitely been there. Uh, this is what Baltimore always hoped to see and never did. Uh, and all of a sudden, coming on this strong, this fast, obviously you have questions about this short of a stint, and he's he hasn't shown this at the major league level before, but going into a different environment could be exactly what he needed. Baltimore is not an easy place to pitch, nor is that league or that, excuse me, that division, an easy division to pitch in. Uh, Again, to more spacious ballparks than the AL West can definitely be in your favor, but do you buy Dylan Sillen Bundy uh, (laughs) as a top of the rotation arm for a team? I think they'd love to see Shohei Otani get that arm figured out and be the top of the rotation and Dylan Bundy slot in right behind him. Uh, do I think that he can make a serviceable number one for them while they need him to? Yeah, but if we're talking about the A's, I'll take Frankie Montas. If we're talking about the Astros, I'll still take Zach Greinke and a healthy Justin Verlander. Now he's not healthy right now. Texas, you've we've talked about Texas a few times on here. Uh, Lance Lynn is still better, better than Dylan Bundy in my mind. So he's, he's, he's going to be okay, but he's certainly – I wouldn't put him ahead of any of those guys which within the division, which means he's probably more of a number two, number three, and uh, they're going to ask him to pitch to be a number one for them. Which is still wild when you think of this was a guy that anyone could have said is one year away from being out of the majors completely. That's the way that he was pitching. Uh, the fact that we're even saying, can he be uh, a top of the rotation arm, whether it's a number one, number two, or number three starter, is incredible at this point. And the Astros have been begging to find a uh, any type of decent arm. Uh, they've had the hitting, or they've had some that's been there, but they haven't been able to find the 
uh, arms to go in that rotation. And if they got themselves a, a heck of a find, especially for a not big price tag, awesome for them. They've tried to do it before, too. They signed Julio Tehran this offseason. I don't yep. I don't know if he ever got to the team. He was sick for a while, too. I don't know if he – I think he got COVID. But, and then they've had Andrew Heaney, and they obviously lost Tyler Skaggs. So they've had some rough breaks in that rotation. They've had a lot of injuries. Griffin Canning has been pretty good for him. I think Canning's probably their two next year behind Shohei Otani, and then you'd like to slot Dylan Bundy in there. And they're still all young. Like The Angels are building something out there, and you just got to hope that they keep developing. Speaking of a guy that is uh, young, developing, and building, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, who easily could have been in the have-yourself-a-week category, uh, buy or sell that he has a higher ceiling than Juan Soto? I'm going to buy that, that he has a higher ceiling. He also has a lower floor just because he is – so swing happy that whereas Juan Soto has an impressive on base percentage he draws a lot of walks Fernando Tatis loves to swing the bat and he's exceptionally good at it and his skill set is he can add the stolen bases which Juan Soto will not do so Fernando Tatis's ceiling is Alfonso Soriano 40-40 playing shortstop and that's the type of thing that he can do uh Juan Soto is more like a 300 hitter with 35, 40 home runs and 100 RBIs. And he's a power hitter. And I said, Juan Soto's first few years of his career are tracking like Melot. But Fernando Tatis, the skill set is, it's unbelievable. And I think he's had three home runs in three days, including one the first pitch a couple nights ago and then the second pitch. And today it took him a couple innings to get one. But I will say that the ceiling is higher for Fernando Tatis. You mean a 30% uh, strikeout rate isn't that great uh, to have? That's like the only negative that is on uh, Fernando Tatis Jr.'s uh, offensive game. Uh, there is uh, a swing and miss that's part of uh, his game where maybe a uh, a batting title is not in his future, but everything else is there. Uh, and he's, especially at that position, uh adds to that uh, premium position, adds to that value. Here's the thing that scares me about Fernando Tatis is, yeah, you mentioned the strikeout rate, and it was about 30% last year. He gets some walks, but last year he had a – he had a, he played in 84 games. He had a 372 times, and he batted 410 for a BABIP. And I thought, that's not – that shouldn't be possible. But his speed, he's got 387 this year. I don't think he can maintain 380-plus. That's almost unheard of, but – 350, 360, sure. But those ridiculous BABIPs of him are, those are worrisome. And yeah, he's batting 322 right now. I think he can be a 300 hitter, but I don't think he's a 330, 340 hitter, which is essentially what he's going to do if he maintains those BABIPs. He already has a 225 WRC plus, which is wow. <laughs> he's leading the National League now in uh, home runs. Uh, mm-hmm. And and he's he, got four steals already. Wow. He's 21 years old. He's only 21 years old. Uh, and he is uh, really, uh, yes, it's been a huge week, and you need more than that. It's a, a hot stretch, and that's great to see. And you need to see the some consistency now. Like, what can he maintain at this point? But, yeah, I, I, I would definitely buy a higher ceiling than Juan Soto, and that's, now, that's not faint praise. No. Uh, he... Uh, he was a, a number one or top five overall prospect in baseball for a reason, uh, and uh, he is already showing it at the major league level, which is incredible to see. White Sox fans, you've built a nice team there. You've got some young players. Just remember, you traded Fernando Tatis Jr. for James Shields. So that one's in there with the Pirates. 
That's uh, and remember we said uh, last week uh, that we would have at least one positive thing to say about the Pirates in every podcast. So we'll save that as one of our, our big reveals. Be ready for the week. end. So, oh, absolutely. we've got one. Uh, Nick Castellanos as the best free agent acquisition in the offseason, buy or sell? Well, it's certainly not been my buddy Anthony Rendon so far. Uh, let's see here. i got to think. No, Nick Castellanos has been awesome for the Reds. He's, I believe he has eight home runs too, and he's been hitting doubles left and right. But the Reds aren't winning. Uh, I will still say that Garrett Cole's three Three wins and four starts and got him another win that game for the Yankees. And they paid up. So if you're talking about, you know, maybe bang for your buck, I could go with Nick Castellanos. But I will still take Garrett Cole as showing up. He's been doing exactly what the Yankees expected of him. I saw somebody online say it wasn't a good start the other day. He struck out 10 guys in four and two-thirds of innings. Maybe it wasn't spectacular, but when your standards are that high, like, it's a solid start. It's a solid start. When a so-so start involves that. Yeah. Uh, you're in a different stratosphere uh, for for positives, and that means you have a, a very high floor uh, to still be good, especially with that offense. Uh, there's still a lot to, to work with there. Oh, you, is is he yours? I'm going to buy uh, Nick Castellanos uh, for that, and the reason why is there was always talk, and once he – you could tell in this last year he got frustrated with Detroit, uh, disinterested, uh, and when he went to the Cubs – he was a difference maker. Now, it didn't end up working out uh, as far as the winning goes, but he tore the cover off the ball, and now that he's uh, with the the, uh, the Reds, he hasn't stopped. Uh, he is a pure hitter uh, that, uh, especially now that the DH is probably here to stay uh, in the National League, I think you're talking about a top three uh, designated hitter in all of baseball. Uh, he hits for average. He hits the the gap power, and then the home runs are coming in too. Uh, he is a middle of the lineup uh, uh, hitter across the board, and I don't know if people would have thought that a year ago that this could be one of the best hitters uh, in baseball. And he is coming into his own uh, in his prime, being just that. Uh, and so I think uh, from that level, especially four years, it was I think it was sixty eight million. Uh, it was a, a big contract, but not huge. 64, less than that even, yeah. He's so, still only 28. Wow, it seems like he's been around forever. It does. And I think his uh, – he reminds me of, not in terms of comparable player, but in terms of where the, the offense went. David Ortiz did something Ooh. similar uh, when he was went to the Boston Red Sox, and then at that age he just took off offensively. Uh, I'm not comparing their games, but I'm saying it's a similar situation where uh, he's still young enough – uh, he's hitting his prime, and I think there's another level to his game, and he's starting to show that in the past calendar year. Uh, let's talk Colorado Rockies, who uh, best record in baseball. Are you? Their pitching is fourth in overall in baseball in terms of runs given up. Their hitting is first overall in baseball and runs scored. Which are you buying? Which are you selling? Well, you always buy the offense with the Rockies, right? It's always all about the offense, but they're getting it out of players that, I mean, Charlie Blackman has been on fire so Welcome far this back, year. Welcome back, Charlie Blackman. And he was, hes we knew he had COVID, and I believe he was showing symptoms, if I was not mistaken. So he has been on absolute tear, something like 450 average. Uh, but Trevor Story has not been, he's not been cold, but he's been maybe not as great as you'd expect. And I believe Nolan Arenado has been fairly cold, but the pitching has been incredible. 
Marquez, Senzatella, John Gray, Kyle Freeland. It's it's players that you don't expect. Uh, I would expect them to not keep it up. The offense will keep, keep scoring runs. It's a matter of can they stay ahead of the Dodgers and the Padres. Now, we expect there's a going to be th- – there could be three teams out of one. There could be four teams, but it's very possible there'll be three teams coming out of the NL West. If I'm correct, is it Daniel Murphy? Daniel uh, Murphy yeah. is uh, healthy. Figured it out again, yeah. And he's hit. Uh, he's always been a good hitter, mm-hmm. uh, and he is now back doing that. And you add that to Charlie Blackman; those are two of the top five uh, batting average, anyways, hitters uh, in uh, the National League right now. Uh, and you have guys that are that are definitely putting it uh, uh, together. Trevor Story has not been uh, tearing the cover off the ball, but a 276 average, 364 on base percentage, five home runs to lead the team. Uh, there's enough going on here that uh, that offense is doing exactly what you, you want it to do. Nolan Aaron out of 185, and they're still winning. He's got three home runs, but 185 so far, and you're still finding a way to win, so... And, and think about that. That means once some of these guys play up to their level, uh, you have room when other players start coming back down to earth a little bit. These others should be able to pick that back up. So I think that it's been – I'm going to jump off topic for a second here. I think it's been the shortened start has caused pitcher injuries and cold hitting. That's what it seems to be. You see a lot of these superstars of the game that are just – frigidly cold so far. Yelich finally got some hits. Acuna was really cold. He seems to be bouncing out of it. Uh, you know, Cody, Cody Bellinger is very cold right now. And I think it's just not something that they're used to. These are guys who are creatures of habit and it's not normal year. And I hope that some of these guys bounce back because it would be quite a weird year to see some of these preeminent hitters hit below or hit around the Mendoza line. You know, I'm going to actually buy their pitching. Oh, look uh, and, at that. And the reason why is German Marquez has been, uh, he's been good for a couple of years now. Uh, he's been an underrated pitcher. He already has, of his four games started, three quality starts, 26 innings pitched, 27 strikeouts. Uh, he's been very, very good for them. Uh, ERA of 2.08. Uh, John Gray uh, has uh, doesn't have the, the wow numbers, uh, he only has seven strikeouts and 16 innings pitched, but he's only given up 12 hits. Uh, there's enough with some of their younger guys to go with it. When you have two guys that can at least be at the top of the rotation, you get one or two more just to at least be league average with that offense. That's all that you need. I think they have enough pieces there to surprise more than I thought coming into the start of this year. The one that's always weird for that team is Kyle Freeland. He's a first-round pick, I don't know, five, six years ago already, and he won 17 games just two years ago. 17 games, 17-7, and seven, with a 285 ERA. Now, the FIP was a little higher, and then last year he went 3-11, and 11, and they had to send him to the minors because his ERA was 673. Now, he's not got – I believe he's 2-0 and oh so far this year with a yeah 241 ERA. Now, the FIP, once again, is 415, but if, if you get a third – if you get – the pitching on that team, even serviceable pitching, four earned runs a game. With the offense that the Rockies can put out there, they should be competitive. Now, I said, the Dodgers are still the team to beat in that division. The Padres are playing really well. So, I don't believe, I'll check their schedule, but I don't believe they played either of those two teams yet. And the, what you want right now is bankable wins. Uh, as much as you can get, when you think of 
what we were talking, 35, max 40 wins in a 60-game season, if you're that's what you need to make the, the playoffs or win a division, you already have 11. Uh, we're a quarter of the way through the season, and you already have a third of the wins. Uh, so you're, uh, you've banked a, a hot start in your favor, uh, and that can definitely give you a, a leg up as we get going here. So they've uh, played – sorry, I didn't get you off there, man. They have played the Padres two games, and they beat them both. Or maybe they played them three as they come back in July. They played them three games. They won two of three. And they have since played the Giants and the Mariners. This week is the D-backs and the Rangers. And those are all home games for them. They've actually been on the road no, only the last series. So inflated, we'll Inflated wins when you look at those teams. Well, the uh, Diamondbacks aren't very good right now. They've been real bad. So they've got an easy one coming up here. The Rangers have been dealing with some injury problems in their rotation. Pitching's been good as advertised when yeah. they can be when they can actually pitch, but uh, not a not a. Uh, they must have a serious team. stretch of the Dodgers coming up. They play the Dodgers three times this month, so yeah, the, they got the Dodgers a lot in, in September. So that's where that's where we'll see how good this team really is. Let's take a look at another team. Uh, let's look at the Washington Nationals. <laughs> Buy or sell the Nationals missing the playoffs. That was my World Series pick. That's uh, it's missing the playoffs. They, they are currently four and seven. They are at the bottom of the NL East. Yeah, it's not. Here's the thing. It, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs anymore. I was really confident in this team. Strasburg was my pick to win the Cy Young. He has now pitched, I believe, three innings today or something, and before they finally pulled him out, and he had missed his first couple starts. He's hurt. Scherzer, we didn't mention Scherzer in the injuries. He only pitched a couple innings the other day, and they pulled him out with a sore hamstring because he said that he pitched through it the day before. So there's two of your big three hurt. Corbin's been everything that's been advertised. Soto's finally back in the lineup after the COVID issues. and Much-needed return. Yeah, without him in their lineup, it's not good, actually. it's Howie Kendrick is possibly their best hitter. Uh, Victor Robles has been pretty cold. Trey Turner has yet to steal a base the last time I checked, and that's what you expect out of him. It's... I think that they might actually miss the playoffs, which I said, considering I picked him to win the World Series only a couple of weeks ago, makes it sound pretty bad, but their pitching has been not what I expected it to be with all the injuries. And Well, they're top-heavy. We've always yes, said top that. Top-heavy is a good way of describing it. They have uh, their, their big pitchers where you get them in a, in a five- or seven-game series, they're hard to beat if they're healthy. Uh, and and when they're when you're top heavy, it means you have certain players that you can't afford to lose, uh, and to lose two of them uh, in that rotation, uh, that's a hard one to to handle. Now four and seven is not a, a big stretch. Uh, you can easily turn it back on at any point. You saw the Oakland A's just win eight straight games as they defeated the uh, Astros here seven to two uh, this afternoon. So uh, it's not a good sign though when you're in the their their game got suspended day, but otherwise they're going to be swept by the Orioles and. The Orioles have been surprising, way more surprising than I think either one of us thought. But I still don't think the Orioles are a good team. And when you're getting swept by the Orioles, that's they've scored a zero to eleven. They got beat three to five, and right now they're down two to five. So the offense has to be better than that. It has to be. I can't say anything because the right. Rays were swept that's by Boston uh, by Baltimore been, last week. There's been some surprisingly surprising teams that I think we didn't give a whole lot of credit to, and they're making us look bad right well, now. We said that this is the weird type of year when a t- uh, a team that you don't expect could all of a sudden uh, get started. In fact, that's our next buy and sell of the of the seller dwellers that were projected: Baltimore, 
uh, the Marlins, the Tigers, which of those three are you buying uh, to have the best record of the three? I'm going to pick Miami, actually. I think Miami has su- the surprisingly good pitching, actually, from what I estimate. Pablo Lopez has been really solid. He got beat today by DeGrom, but there's nothing, there's no shame in that. Uh, Pablo Lopez, Jordan Yamamoto, some of those types of pitchers, they have really pitched well so far for Miami. And then they've gotten, we mentioned, they, they did not just sit on their hands and knees and say, well, we're not going to sign anyone. They went out and they signed Jonathan VR. They took a chance on Corey Dickerson. They took a chance. Jesus Aguilar has bounced back for them. He was really bad with the Brewers. He was not very good with the Rays, but he's had a nice start of the year. They had to deal with the COVID, but they're sitting at seven and three. Now, you you mentioned that it could be winning percentage. Maybe they they should try to get to sixty, but at seven and three, there that's a fine start. Like the Mets have seven wins, but they're seven and nine. So seven and three, they're willing to call up some young guys. They got Monty Harrison on the team. I'm going to take the Marlins among those teams to finish with the best record. I don't know right now. I think they're leading that division. I'm not sure I'll pick that yet, but they could finish second. That's good enough for the playoffs. I am buying uh, uh, the Marlins as well on this, and it's because of the the now weakened division uh, with Atlanta's injuries that have gone through there. Uh, Philadelphia still hasn't performed the way that they want to see. Uh, That division is wide open. The Nationals are having uh, their injuries uh, you have the, the Mets are the Mets. And uh, so that entire division is wide open. I, I said when we got started in our division-by-division division, uh, previews, I liked the veterans that they added on one-year deals. I liked Corey Dickerson. I liked Jesus Aguilar because he's done it before. He's had issues with trying to get everything back going, but there's always a chance that he could. Uh, and some of their young pitching, uh, Caleb Smith and some of the others that yeah, were Caleb there. Caleb Smith, good one. Uh, there's, uh, they're the type of team that could surprise in a 60-game season. And uh, when they got out of their own way uh, with uh, corona issues, uh, you've seen them when they've been on the field. They have performed well enough. Now, I don't think they're going to stay, obviously, at a 700 winning percentage uh, throughout the year here. Uh, but could they be the team that surprises and ends up making the playoffs in an expanded playoffs year? It's definitely a possibility, and they've now played themselves through this first stretch to be uh, to be right there. And so that's uh, that's the intriguing thing. They're the team that I'm buying at this point. So I want to hear who's better than, in your opinion, between the Orioles and who's the other one? The Orioles and Detroit. Second, we got more faith in between those two. I I would say the Tigers, but for some reason Baltimore keeps doing this, and and I don't know why. I can't put my finger on it. Uh, there's no no reason why, so I'm going to say them, even though I think Detroit on paper makes more sense, but we're not talking about teams that make sense right now. <laughs> uh, so as far as who I think will end up with more wins, Baltimore or Detroit, I'm going to go Baltimore. I think I think it's Detroit. I, I like Detroit to call. I think Detroit's going to start calling up some of those pitchers. I'm, I'm ready. Let's get some Casey Mize in here, and let's get some Matt, Matt Manning. Manning. I want to yeah. see some of those guys, and I think then they could get a little spark here, and I don't. once again, I don't think they're competitive with the Twins yet. I don't think they're competitive with the Indians yet, but... They still got all those Royals don't look very good. So I'll take Detroit to win more games than Baltimore. You know who else doesn't look very good? The Pirates. I'm going to, I'm going to save my, uh, my, my, no, I'm going to go one positive. That's I'm going to hold on on that. Uh, that's my, my, uh, Corona year mission. That's right. To say something positive about the Pirates every week during the season. So I'm going to make that my, my challenge, but I'm talking about Craig Kimbrell. Uh, and we had a little bit of a discussion before we got started here. Uh, 
the, the question ultimately is, are you buying or selling Craig Kimbrell as done? I, I don't think he's the closer anymore. I can tell you that. I think the Cubs who paid Craig Kimbrell a lot of money and they have been winning games in spite of their bullpen. They're 10 and three and their bullpen has been real bad. And it's not just Craig Kimbrell. It's been more players, but Ke- Craig Kimbrell, if you've watched him when he was peak Craig Kimbrell with the Red Sox, he's throwing 97, 98 miles an hour. Now it's 93, 94, and you can, you could live at 93, 94. If you could locate it at all, it is all over the strike zone. It is wild as can be. And because of that, I believe I was, I heard this on something where he had like two swings at any of his breaking stuff all year. You're not going to swing at it. If you, if he can't throw a fastball, you just sit off this breaking stuff because there's no point. And so Craig Kimbrell is, they pay him a lot of money. He's still under contract for a while. I don't think he's going to be the closer anytime soon until he can start to locate his pitches. He's just going to go the way of Edwin Diaz, who we've seen pitch the seventh inning. I have never been uh, a team that hasn't been, or I can say what I'm trying to say here. (laughs) Uh, I'm having as many problems speaking as Craig Kimbrell is pitching. There you go. Uh, But fortunate break, lucky break for the Tampa Bay Rays. They finished second in the Craig Kimbrell uh, sweepstakes. They came in at three years and $39 million, which is big for them. Uh, the uh, Cubs went in at four and... Three years at 43, is, and with a vesting option is what I'm looking at yes, right now. So. And the vesting option was pretty attainable, so it's looking more like 446, I think, is what it ended up being. Uh, now, again, that last year is optional based upon uh, appearances, etc., games played. Uh, but... Man, the raise for for them, $13 million a year, is a lot, a huge chunk of change for their budget. How much that would have sunk them if they would have actually gotten the player that they really wanted. Uh, Kimbrell has been a disaster for the Cubs since he has put on their uniform. Last year wasn't good when he finally got in. He was never right, and he still isn't right here yet. So Some of the peri- – I mean, last year was – as I mentioned, last year was not good. He pitched 20 innings. He went 0-4 for them, and he had a 6.53 RA. The FIP, the XFIP was 4.75. He at least struck out 13 per nine, but he's walking five. Now, this is very, very small sample right here. We're at 2.2 innings is what he's got in so far this year. But he has given up already in less than three innings five walks, six hits, seven earned runs – Wild pitch. He's hit a guy. It's it's all over the place. And he has no control. He has He's no control at all. His control. Right now, his his xFIP actually sits at a little under twelve, and his FIP sits at eighteen. So he's not that bad. He's not going to be that bad. But this is not the the Braves, Craig Kimbrell. This is not the Red Sox, Craig Kimbrell. This is a man who needs to figure out a new way to pitch. Because if you're not throwing ninety seven, I said you have to have real good control at ninety five, and he doesn't have it. So. I, I'm going to sell that Craig Kimbrell is the closer for the Cubs the rest of this year because this team wants to win games. They are not going to sit and have him cl- blow games for them. I'm willing to say it. I'm selling him as done. Uh, uh, yeah, he'll, sure. he'll, have a, he'll have a uniform. He'll be yep. pitching for this year and next year uh, at, at least. Uh, but Closers he's not, he's burn not out the in a same. Hurry. Not only a closer, but just as a relief pitcher that you're going to bring in, he's he's done. Uh, the, the miles per hour has uh, gone down. The arm isn't what it has been. Uh, he doesn't have the control. He's lost his confidence. Uh, it's going to be hard to to come back from this. Uh, it can happen, uh, but I'm definitely sell, uh, buying him as done. Yep. Uh, he's not the player that he used to be. Uh, Madison Baumgartner uh, makes the final person on our buy and sell list. Are you buying or selling him being on the DL uh, 
uh, tomorrow I am uh, going with a, an 85-mile-an-hour fastball in his last start, four home runs and two innings pitched. I watched that part of that, well, his very short start. I watched part of it, and uh, two innings, six earned, gave up four home runs to the to the very good Padres team, the Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis. I he, There's something wrong there. They gave him a very big contract this offseason, too, uh, five years, $85 million, and he seems a lot older than the 30 years old that he is. He's actually 31, so he's older than I thought he was. But there's a lot of innings on that arm of his because of all the postseasons that the Giants just kept riding him. And if he's only throwing 85, he's not living there. So I think they're going to put him – I would be shocked if he gets another start before going on the DL because there's something wrong mechanically. And just sending him out there to get hammered on is not going to help the Diamondbacks. And if you're going to pay him like that, you need that arm to heal up at least – Early in the year, he was at about 90, and that's still not fast enough for Madison Bumgarner. He was a guy who, yeah, he's once again not going to throw 96, 97 where he used to live, but above 93, 94, that's where he needs to be. And right now, he's not even close, and it's just getting teed off on. Well, especially when you know something's wrong. This isn't normally him. Uh, something has to to give, and they need to find out what it is. You need to send him before the, the doctors. He's got to undergo a shoulder exam. You need to figure out what it is that's wrong and help him fix it because you didn't invest in him for, for one year. You invested in him for five. And so you need to find out what's wrong and find a way to uh, get this figured out. Uh, we'll mention in our before we get to our matchup of the week, uh, we're going to talk about our positive pirates our Positive Pirate podcast. Here we go. Uh, is a Pirates had a walk-off win. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Newman. Kevin uh, Newman. They were playing against... The Twins. One of the best uh, teams in the league. The Twins. That was their the one win they got that twins. season. The Pirates have a They're walk-off weak. win with uh, Kevin uh, Newman uh, getting them a, a fun victory this week. Uh, so that is your uh, it's getting harder Positive to find Pirate it. podcast moment. It's getting harder to find them every time. I don't know. I feel like there's going to be one of these weeks we can't get it. We'll see how how far. I have to look how, into the. How far look at the alternate dig. site? Digging deep. Sometimes we haven't had to uh, yet. Uh, Colin Moran isn't uh, leading on the National League in home runs anymore. That was uh, last week's uh, big. Uh, it was nice. To, moment. It, was, it was good to use him last week, but it's dropping off in a hurry here. He hasn't hit one this week. Nope. He's still at five. I, I saw. But we said positive, so we'll we'll keep at that. Uh, matchup of the week. Let's take a look at that. Uh, this was not as. Uh, uh, as a fun week as uh, some of the other ones have been for, for matchups, it took a little bit more uh, to look at. But there's some uh, one that comes to not only the matchup of the week, but the pitching matchup of the week comes together. Uh, Chicago Cubs versus Cleveland Indians. Uh, that should be a fun uh, Midwestern uh, series here on the Wednesday. The Cubs will have had a few days off there, too, because they were supposed to. They just got done yeah. having to play the Cardinals, but not playing them. So they should have had a few days off to get that rotation lined up to where they wanted at least so and it, it lines up on Wednesday with Kyle Hendricks versus Carlos Carrasco that should be a fun matchup Carrasco's been really good we, we didn't expect him to pitch and he's showing us cancer be damned <laughs> so that's everything for the podcast this week as we uh uh take a look at the the latest happenings in Major League Baseball as we are 25% of the way through this uh quarantine shortened year power uh, rankings next week top 30 we will uh, give you our, our rankings next week. That'll be the majority of the podcast as we break that down, as well as uh, 
Uh, we do our, our best. Uh, another one bites the dust list as we uh, see what happens mm-hmm. with injuries. Hopefully, we don't have too many. But I'm I'm concerned about Bumgarner and uh, Charlie Morton being the the ones that are going going to be confirmed in the next couple of days. Uh, hopefully not, uh, but hopefully those things get figured out as well. With that, this is the Heater Podcast. Again, feel free to find us on your favorite uh, podcast platform. Tell a friend uh, as you uh, enjoy Major League Baseball throughout the year. Hopefully you're enjoying this podcast and can tell others to do the same as well. With that, uh, have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next. 